started having a lot of people ask me like, hey, Grant, I want to be a speaker. How would I go about doing that? And I found that a lot of people were basically in the same spot of where I was when I got started. Like I felt like one of the things we say a lot now is like, I felt like I had the potential, but I needed the plan. I had the potential, but I needed the plan. I knew I was a decent speaker, wanted to book gigs, no idea how to do it. And so, and my guess is there's a lot of people in your audience that are in the, the same way of whether that's, you know, for speaking or writing a book or starting a business or a personal brand or whatever it may be. Like, I know I've got some chops here. I just don't know what to do with it. Welcome to the Find Your Voice podcast, a show where we believe in the power of the written word to create positive change in your personal life, your community, and the world. I'm your host, Allison Fallon. Whether you're an aspiring author or someone who swears they're not a real writer, we're here to show you how a regular practice of writing will help you access your intuition, make an impact, and find your voice. Join me for interviews with authors, writing prompts, and stories of how even simple words change lives. One question I get from writers all the time goes like this. How do I book speaking engagements? Whether they're looking for a way to get out in the world and teach the content they're writing about, to grow their credibility and audience, to sell more books, or to get the attention of a publisher, it's undeniable that writing and speaking go hand in hand. The problem is writers often struggle with knowing where to even start when it comes to public speaking. They're either terrified by it, they think it's not for them, or they believe that they need to be on some elusive speaking circuit in order to book gigs. That's why I'm so excited for today's episode with Grant Baldwin. Grant is a successful speaker, podcaster, author, and entrepreneur. He has spoken at over 500 events to nearly 500,000 people and has earned close to $2 million in speaking fees. But most importantly, Grant spends his time helping people just like you build successful speaking careers, just as he has done. Even if the thought of public speaking terrifies you, you're not going to want to miss what Grant has to say. In today's episode, we talk about what public speaking can teach us about the writing process, how they're similar and how they're different. We talk about how speaking engagements help anyone who wants to become an author to refine their message, grow their audience, and sell more books. And we talk about Grant's new book, The Successful Speaker, which is a must read for any author or wannabe author. So whether you've ever thought of public speaking or not, join me as I talk to Grant about the power of words, both written and spoken words, to leave a lasting impact on the world. Hello, Grant Baldwin. Oh my goodness. I am so excited to be here. You know, like if you're going to make a dream board of podcasts and people, I mean, this is it. This is it. Uh, This has been a long time coming. This is so good. Way too long. Way too long. Well, I'm just so thrilled to have you here with us today. I want to talk to you about so many different things. There are a few different angles. I know our listeners are going to be really interested to hear from you. But I want to start with the question that we always ask at the beginning of this podcast, which is, what does find your voice mean to you? Find your voice. Yeah. So, uh, so I come from the world of speaking and I know that we'll, we'll dig into that a little bit. And I think that one of the biggest challenges for speakers is to figure out who they speak to, what's the problem that they solve and what's the unique way that they can do that. And so I, I think that it's easy to look at so many other, you know, speakers or entrepreneurs or 
personal brands or anything like that. I see all these other ways to do it and all these other things that work. And I think you can pull from all those others. Uh, so as long as you're not, you know, just straight up copying and mimicking what everyone else is doing, but finding your own voice is just that unique being unique to you, that unique brand of when someone hears a, a word or a phrase or an adjective or something, they're like, oh yeah, that, uh, you know, I think of Allie or I think of John or I think of Don or I think of Paul or Mary or Sue or whoever. And I think of these people based on like that uh, unique word, that unique description of them. So finding your voice is really hard to do though. It is. That's, it's so interesting to hear you talk about this too. And I'm so fascinated a little bit later in the episode to get it just into the weeds of talking about how similar and also different it is to find your voice as an author and then to find your voice as a public speaker. Cause I think there are a lot of similarities and overlap. Yeah. Um, and then there are a couple of pieces that, that feel different. You know, we'll talk about this, but I've worked with a couple speakers turned authors and I know you've worked with authors turned speakers. So I'm just really curious and excited to talk about that overlap. But before we get there, I want, I want to back up a little bit and I'd love to hear just your story of how you even ended up here. Like how, how did you get started speaking in front of people and helping other people do the same? Yeah. So in high school, I was really involved in my local church and my youth pastor had a big impact on my life, was a great speaker. And so that really resonated with me. I was like, I want to do that. Like that seems really cool. And it just really, um, that so that's kind of the, the path I was on. So I actually went to Bible college while I was in school, I worked for a guy who was a full-time speaker. And so kind of got to see a little bit behind the scenes of what it's like to be a speaker and how he booked gigs. And I helped with like travel and logistics and details and some of that stuff. So after that, worked at a local church as a youth pastor. And so there had some opportunities to speak. And oftentimes, you know, like during midweek services for students, but then from time to time, I'd get to, you know, fill in on the weekend in big church and just had a couple of opportunities like that, where I felt like I'm decent at this. Like I'm not the best, I'm not the worst, but I'm, I'm okay at this and would like to do more of this. And so at that point, then really decided like, okay, I want to pursue this career thing as a speaker and build a business doing that. So for the next several years, built up a career doing that, was speaking uh, anywhere from 50, 60, 70 times a year all over primarily the US and did a lot like in the education space with high school students and college students and parents and teachers and educators and really, really loved it. It was a lot of fun. And then I started having a lot of people ask me like, hey, Grant, I want to be a speaker. How would I go about doing that? And I found that a lot of people were basically in the same spot of where I was when I got started. Like, I felt like one of the things we say a lot now is like, I felt like I had the potential, but I needed the plan. I had the potential, but I needed the plan. Mm. I knew I was a decent speaker, wanted to book gigs, no idea how to do it. And so, I, and my guess is there's a lot of people in your audience that are in the, the same way of whether that's, you know, for speaking or writing a book or starting a business or a personal brand or whatever it may be. Like, I know I've got some chops here. I just don't know what to do with it. And I, I don't know how to go from step one to step two. And so that's kind of where I was at, or that's where where I was at in the beginning. And that's where I found a lot of other people were at in the, in the speaking world. So we put together some training resources, a teacher teaching basically the ins and outs of speaking and how do you find them book gigs and how do you know how much to charge and who hires speakers and what do you speak about? And just like that whole world, which is historically been very mysterious and it feels like there's some magical circuit you have to be on and to kind <laughs> yeah. of like just demystify it and show like, all right, this is what you need to know. This is what you need to do in order to be able to, to find and book gigs. I remember even like years ago, you and I had lunch and we were kind of talking through it and just like breaking this down and like, here's what you need to do. And just like, yeah. it's not overly difficult. It's very simple, but it's not easy. It still requires like work and effort. And so, yeah, so that's the core of what we do today is I run a company called The Speaker Lab, where we teach people how to, to find and book speaking gigs and uh, hopefully try to remove some of that, that mystery. 
Amazing. So, so you're talking a lot about the logistics of helping people book gigs and some of the logistics too of like, what do they do once they get on stage and how much do they charge and all of that right. kind of stuff. What about the message itself? Like, did you immediately from the very beginning know that you had a thing you wanted to talk about or did you have to craft that over time? And then the clients who are coming to you, are you helping people figure out like, what's the thing I want to say, or what's the thing I'm known for talking about? And then, you know, as a part of that question, I know we have a lot of clients who ask us questions like, isn't this already being said a thousand other times and a thousand right. other ways by a thousand right. other people, you know? So how do you help people kind of fight through that? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think early on it was, okay, I have some sense of who I want to be speaking to. I'm not entirely sure what I'd speak to them about. And so, so some of it was just kind of watching some other speakers to try to get a sense of like what was working, what was resonating, like what was, what was being hired for as a speaker and just kind of seeing what that looked like. And then from a talk standpoint, I think, I think what's really, really important for people to understand is like being a speaker on the talk itself is always like this work in progress. And it's always this ever evolving thing versus like if you, you know, if you write a book, you finish, it goes to print and it's basically done. It's mm -hmm. not like, ah, oh, man, I could, I, let's go back and let's tweak this paragraph or that, or that chapter a year or two later is no longer really relevant. It's hard to do that with a book and, and a lot of forms of content. Whereas with a speech, a speech is generally something that you're going to give more than once. It's something that each time you speak, you're going to be giving that presentation or a similar presentation. And, and it's going to be evolving each time you give it because you're getting that real-time feedback from an audience of what's working and what's not. Like that's one of the unique things about speaking is you know, uh, there may be thousands of people who listen to this conversation with us right now, or thousands of people who, you know, who read uh, one of your books and you never get to see like their actual reaction yeah. as they read it. You know, you may hear about it later. You meet someone and they're like, oh, I read your book. That was so good. That was so helpful. Or I listened to that interview. That was so interesting. That was so good. Yada, yada. But you never like see the real time reaction versus when you speak, like you can see whether people are getting it or you can see how they're reacting. Are they, are they laughing? Are they smiling? Are they nodding? Are they confused? Are they with you? Are they having like these light bulb epiphany moments? And you can adjust your talk each time based on that. So each time, ideally the talk is getting better. So one thing we tell speakers all the time is, is your, your talk, it, when you're, when, especially when you're writing it out, it's kind of your best guess of what you think's going to work until you get in front of an audience. And then you find out like, I thought this was going to be funny and it just didn't <laughs> click. Or I thought this was going to resonate and it, or I didn't really think much of this line, but boy, that really, that really mm. stuck at the cord with people. And I didn't know it until I was up in front of them and I saw that reaction and I can adjust the talk each time. So each time the talk gets better. So yeah, so I think the biggest overarching thought there is just that the recognize that the talk is never is never fully finished. It's not like, okay, I did it, I'm done, yeah. next talk. But it's just it's something that you can always be tweaking and working towards uh, improving based on that real-time feedback. Which, you know, I mean, I think for people who start out with the medium of writing, this might be the part that really scares them about the, the possibility of speaking in front of an audience is that you are getting that real-time feedback. And... I know a lot of authors I've worked with have talked to me about just an overwhelming feeling of stage fright that yeah. for them, the possibility of ever getting on, on stage doesn't even feel like an option because they just feel overcome with fear. And, and I also know that that's a really common fear just in our society. It's not even just authors who feel that way, but most people feel like the worst possible place they could be is standing up on stage holding right. a microphone. So right. how do you talk about stage fright? Is stage fright really a thing? Are there tools to overcome? Do some people not have stage fright? Are there tools to overcome it? 
that's a hundred percent a real thing. Like, uh, and I think, I think oftentimes like stage fright can be confused with just a, a excitement. Right. So like, think about like some of our biggest moments in life, you know, like at the time of this recording, you recently got married, you know, and recently mm. before that you got engaged. And so my guess is during those moments, like you had big butterflies and all this. And it wasn't like nerves of like, this is going to be a huge disaster. And I don't, I'm second guessing my decision. Like it's none of that. It's I'm really, really, really excited about this. And the way that my body's kind of reacting and responding to this is what feels like those butterflies. It feels like nerves. And there is some level of that, but it's also just like, I'm really excited about this. Yeah. The funny thing about that analogy is I was actually thinking about that on my wedding day because, you know, people everywhere get married, but people everywhere don't stand on stages all the time, which I do. And I was thinking about how similar the feeling is yeah, and how I've heard other brides talk about how they don't like everyone looking at them and they feel like they're on display and, and how similar the feeling is right before you get on stage to speak. And right before you walk down the aisle, it is, there is a lot of energy pointed your direction and you're having to manage the feeling of being looked at and being, yeah, responded to. And, you know, I mean, like you're all the energy that's coming your direction, you're having to manage that and kind of figure out what to do with it. And I think most people, even just on in a body sense, aren't prepared. They don't know how to manage all of that energy coming their way. And if you haven't practiced it, you wouldn't know how to do it. So it's interesting that you draw that comparison because I was thinking about that literally. Yeah. On my and I think it's just, yeah. I think it's just like the, the, the body's way of responding to and telling you like, Oh, Hey, heads up. Like what you're doing matters. Like this is yeah. important. You know, like if you're going in for a big job interview or, you know, some like big, significant, meaningful moment, it's just like this heightened awareness of like, Hey, this is important. And and so if anything, I think it, that's a good thing, you know, cause it tells you what you're doing matters and reminds you that and keeps you aware of that. And so, all right. So how do you deal with that? Right. So what do you, what do you do in those situations to the point where it doesn't become like overwhelming or cumbersome in any way, or just like slows you down uh, as a speaker? Cause you still want to be on your game. You want to be sharp. You don't want the anxiety or the nerves to just completely overtake you. And so I think one of the best ways that you can deal with that, manage that is by practicing and preparing and rehearsing. And so, mm-hmm. so it's kind of like, think of it like taking a test. Like if we all think back to, you know, school, you know, high school or college or university, And if you had to go take an exam or a test or a quiz or something and you hadn't studied, like you feel insane nerves and and pressure and anxiety of like, this isn't going to go well. And you're just, you know, you're kind of rattled versus like, if you really spend the time to study and prepare and research and practice and do all the things you're supposed to do, you show up to the test or the exam feeling a lot more comfortable, a lot more confident. Like it's still, you may still have a little of those exam or the, the nerves, but you still feel a lot more confident and comfortable knowing like I've done the work, I'm ready for this. And that's the same thing that's true for, for speakers. Like if you, if you just get up there and you're like, ah, I just scribble down a couple of thoughts. I'm just going to kind of wing it. I'm just going to kind of make up some stuff and hopefully it goes well. I got to be honest with you. I hope you bomb. Like, I hope it's a complete <laughs> failure because the audience doesn't deserve that. Like the audience, yeah. the audience deserves your best, you know? And so you, you walk through things and practice things and prepare so that you feel much more comfortable, you know, like right before the wedding, you probably did a wedding rehearsal. So yeah. let's walk through this. Okay. And this is when you're going to say this and this person's going to say this and you're going to stand here and who's here's who's going to walk who down the aisle. And it's just like, let's just dry run all of this to make sure, okay, we good. We feel comfortable now tomorrow, whenever we actually do this for real, you're going to feel a lot more comfortable, confident versus like, okay, we're going to do a wedding and just hope it all magically works out. Like the same thing is true with a speech. Like you can't just get up there and wing it and hope it's all going to be fine. 
Yeah. And I think there's a, a myth in the world of speaking where people believe that the really great speakers don't have to practice or that they're just sort of yeah. born with this skill and they can just be thrown on a stage and deliver a message. And and what I've found in talking to people who are really gifted public communicators is some of them are able to be thrown on stage you know, without much preparation and deliver a strong message. But the people who able to do that are ones who've been doing it for decades. This is information that they've been communicating over and over and over again yeah. for as long as they can remember. So their preparation just comes in a different form. But if you're brand new to you know, public speaking, I would second what you're saying, which is the very best thing you can do is pretty much almost memorize. You don't have to um, recite word for word yeah. your keynote, but pretty much have the important parts memorized word for word, because that way when you're standing on stage and your body does the thing where there's so much adrenaline running through your blood that your brain isn't functioning very well anymore, then you have something memorized in, you know, stored in that deeper part of your brain that you can, you can draw from. Yeah, absolutely. And and so in a way to to think about this is like, if I were to ask you, Allie, tell me about whenever you got engaged, Mm -hmm. you know, you could just, you could tell me that story off the top of your head right now because you lived it, you were there. But if you sat down and really thought about it and thought about the details of it, like you could probably, you could probably tell it better, probably more cohesive. There's more details. You thought about the emotions, you thought about, you know, what you did and and who you called first and like all that went into it, just because you took a, a few extra minutes there to like really think it through and practice and rehearse it and go over it versus just like, well, I'm just going to get up there and and talk and hopefully it all works yeah, out. Yeah. Like that, that's not a good plan. So let's talk a little bit about message development. When you're working with a client who wants to develop a message to deliver from stage, where do you start? Do, you, do they come to you with an idea? Yeah. What's the starting point? Yeah. So it's important to remember that for speakers that we're all in the the problem solving business, like you have to provide some type of result for the audience. So just saying like, Hey, I, you know, I have a really cool story. I climbed Mount Everest blindfolded in my shorts, or <laughs> I conquered cancer, or I overcame this crazy obstacle, or I was a war hero, or I won a, a gold medal or like any, you know, like all those things are well and good. There's nothing wrong with those. Nothing that, not to take anything away from any of those things, but realize that the audience doesn't care. <laughs> they really don't. Like they just want to know for them, like how that's awesome. But how does that apply to me? How does that apply to my business? How does that apply to my marriage? How does that apply to my uh, parenting? How does that apply to my team members, my employees, my life, whatever it may be? People want to just know, like, how does that apply to me? So just keep in mind and be and be aware that that whatever you speak on, you have to solve some specific problem. And it's important for it to be some type of specific problem because I think the the other challenge, and, and my guess is you probably run into this sometimes with authors, is we want to reach as many people as possible. And so we want to throw the net as far and wide as possible. And so if we were to ask you know, a new author who's working on a book, who's your book for? The default is typically like, well, my book's for everybody. You know, my book's for people. Mm. And it's like, well, where's that going to fit at Barnes and Noble? Like what shelf is that going to sit on? You know, it's not for everyone. And in fact, if you feel like it is for everyone, it's really for nobody. And the more likely it's not going to resonate with anyone. And so the more clear, the more narrow, the more focused you can be of like, this is the specific audience that I speak to. And this is the specific problem that I help them solve. Actually, the easier it becomes to find gigs versus trying to speak to all people about anything and everything. So when a speaker says like, you know, I speak to people 
And I'm like, eh, okay, what do you speak about? Or what's the problem that you solve? And I'm like, well, what do you want me to speak about? Like I could speak about marriage or customer service or leadership or management or change or raising dogs. <laughs> or it's like, no, you can't. Like even if you're passionate about those things, maybe if you know something about all those things, you should not position yourself as a speaker who sure. can speak on all those things. Like, so you have to get really clear and focused and say, no, like this is what I do. Like I'm really, really good at speaking to this audience on this one specific thing rather than like trying to do all these things for all these people, in which case you're really not hmm. doing anything for anyone. And what if someone doesn't have any idea? I'm imagining we have we have a handful of listeners or a healthy handful of listeners who are either working on book projects or have books that are already published and who are wanting to grow their public speaking, the, that part of their career, either as a way to promote the book or a way to promote their business or whatever. And then I'm assuming that we also have people who are maybe a little more on the fence about the idea of public speaking altogether and kind of feel the same yeah. way that they feel about writing a book, which is like, I'm not even sure that I have something to say. So what would you recommend for someone who's in that yeah. position? So and some of this comes to the question of like, should you write a book before you speak or should yeah. you speak before you write a book? Or does one have to come before the, like neither of them have to become, come before the other. Like you can give case studies and examples of those, of people who've done it both ways and both work. I like, uh, I like doing some speaking before writing the book, because again, going back to one of the things we touched on earlier, you get some of that yeah. real time feedback from the audience. Uh, for example, there's a talk I used to give kind of a workshop type thing. And, and then I would do some Q&A and I always had the same questions in this Q&A. And so then I modified the presentation and added basically the answers to those questions in there. And then those questions stopped coming, meaning that speaking in front of a live audience gives me some of that real-time feedback and helps me kind of workshop a concept. Yes. So now, for example, like with, with the book we just came out with, like this is a concept that like we've workshopped with lots of audiences that we figured out. Now, these are the common challenges they're going to run into. It's not necessarily like, here's my best stab at this. And I got one take to get this book right. But it's kind of like I, I got, you know, I've done some workshopping with this with people to know that, yeah, what what this concept is in the book form works. Mm -hmm. um, so I think speaking can work really, really well in conjunction with writing a book, because again, you're getting that, you know, you're able to workshop content and material ideas and get that actual feedback from from people. That's so true. Yeah, it's really helpful to be able to test out content. You, you can do that a little bit on social media too. Right. We talk about that with writers that we work with. You can test out content and notice what does really well and what doesn't do as well. And and that feedback can be really helpful to you as you develop the content of the book. Totally. Absolutely. Okay, Grant, only two more things I want to chat about before we wrap up here for the day. And the first one is we're living in this really weird time where we are stuck in our homes and... Uh, everything has changed overnight. And I'm just curious how you're advising speakers to move forward in this time. Like what's some great advice you could give people who are listening to this, who are wondering, like, do I, do I keep trying to book speaking events? Do I invest my energy and attention in presenting in front of a live audience or yeah. What are, what are some thoughts you have? Well, it is a weird weird world right now that seems to get stranger by the day. Uh, and so the reality is, is like, obviously none of us have any idea how this is going to play out and how long this is going to last and, and what the ramifications are. Obviously it's, you know, it's, 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 um, it's affecting everyone, you know? Um, so the thing that is encouraging, I would say, is that I have seen just from talking with a lot of, of speakers and event planners and those in the speaking industry, that while every possible live event at this moment has been affected 
a lot of them aren't necessarily canceling. A lot of them are just being postponed and rescheduling. And so what we're seeing is a lot of events that are, you know, were supposed to be happening in this this short window that we're in are now being pushed to later in the year, being pushed to the, the you know, the, the late summer, winter, fall, and or even into, into next year. And so it, it gives me a lot of confidence that events are still happening. I think that just big picture, events is one of those things that has been around for literally hundreds and hundreds of years, will continue to be around for hundreds of years. And I think even more so now that once we are all you know, out of this, this quarantine that we're all kind of in, that once we all come out of this, that that people are going to crave that human interaction and uh, a live events are going to serve a real, real yeah. purpose for people. Cause even, you know, even like, uh, you know, we've hung out with some neighbors recently in, in a, uh, like the other night, we, uh, a group of us got together in the cul-de-sac, you know, everybody just kind of sits six feet apart, but just kind of <laughs> sitting around talking and that sort of thing. And we were all kind of like, and I just look forward to just when I can just hug you, you know, that sort of thing. And so I think that type of, of human interaction that we're all craving right now will become even more evident whenever, whenever live events are available. So the other thing I would say is I was, I was talking with a, a friend of mine who is a, a, um, uh, president of a speakers bureau. And he had said like in the past two weeks or so since, um, since, you know, it depends when, when people are listening. But in the past two weeks, when a lot of this chaos has really been hitting the fan, more or less, he said, we've actually booked 47 new events that weren't on the calendar. Oh, wow. And so again, I think it even it speaks to the... And now, in fact, I was talking to an event planner the other day who has an event later in the fall. And he said, as of right now, like all systems go, like the event is still happening. Now, again, a ton could change between point A and point B, but as of now, the event is happening and I still need speakers. And so, um, so a couple of things. One is I've found that even though speakers aren't speaking right now, that events are still booking speakers. Mm -hmm. And so it is a great opportunity for speakers to, to utilize this because again, I think there's going to be a big influx of events later in the second half of the year that is going to provide a lot of great opportunities for speakers. So that'd be one thing. Another thing I would say is that for events that have been postponed or rescheduled or canceled, the as speakers, what if you're planning on speaking at something, if you're booked for, for something, just because the event is no longer happening or is happening later doesn't mean that what you are hired for has suddenly magically gone <laughs> away or the problem has been solved, right? So if, for example, you are, let's just make some up, if you are hired to go you know, help a company with their sales, just because the event isn't happening doesn't mean that all of a sudden their sales have magically improved. Right. If anything, they may need your help more so right now, right? So realize that as speakers, we are in the, the solution providing business. And so thinking through what are other ways that you can provide solutions. So for example, there's a speaker we work with who said, I started reaching out to some clients I've worked with before. I've worked from home for the past 11 years. And now all of a sudden their whole teams are working from home. And so I just kind of pitched out there like, hey, would it be helpful if I did a just a one hour training on working from home and effectiveness mm -hmm. and efficiencies and that sort of thing? And they were like, yeah, that'd be great. So he was like, I, I just, you know, I booked a virtual engagement that was revenue I was not counting on that to be able to help and train uh people in this, you know, this current situation. And so, uh, so all that to say, like, yes, it's weird. Yes, it's uncertain. Yes, it's unknown. But events are still booking speakers in the future. And events still need what it is that's the solutions that speakers have to offer. So, so there's still there's opportunities that exist. Opportunities look different, but they do certainly still exist. I love that. And is there are there ways that you think during this time, I mean, you kind of mentioned the one example of your friend or client who booked that virtual event, but even ways through social media or other virtual opportunities that we can be practicing our speaking skills and delivery skills and, and still honing those skills during this time. 
Well, there are great opportunities right now. Uh, we have the opportunity to to be working on or refining the talk or working on a book or working on, you know, a course or something. The thing that you've said, like, you know, someday if I had more time to get to this, I would. <laughs> well, all of a sudden we all have more time. Uh, so now is a good opportunity to work on some of those things and to spend the time doing some of those things. And I think also just in, in terms of like, you know, reaching out to clients that you've worked with or clients that you had conversations with and realizing like it's it's a lot of unknowns for them. There's a lot of balls up in the air at the moment, but being in- incredibly gracious and kind and considerate and compassionate right now is going to go a huge, huge way into the mm. future. Like the people who are, who, and there's certainly a balance here. Like you are still, you are running a business. And so I'm not saying like hey, everything you should do right now should be free. Like if that if that were the case, then the whole economy would fall apart, right? Sure. So w- there's nothing wrong with still providing value and receiving value in the form of 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 a check or whatever it may be right now. But at the same time, realizing like if there's any just checking in on people and hey, how you doing? Do you need anything? Is there any way yeah. I can I can support you? Being flexible, being easy to work with right now goes a long way for speakers. So there's just there's some just like general personal human things that we can do that will still go a long way to, to building relationships in this business. That's really great. Hugely helpful. Thanks, Grant. Okay. The last topic I want to cover and the most important topic is your book. You have a new book that's out. It's just been out for a couple of weeks now. It's called The Successful Speaker. Tell us a little bit about the book. Yeah. So the uh, the book is uh, The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid and Building Your Platform. And so uh, look, we've kind of been touching on, like I, I've been in the speaking industry for a long time, have, have done uh, hundreds of paid speaking engagements, have worked with a lot of, of students and clients, and and we've figured out some things that work and have, have done everything we could to put it into a book to say, here's what what you need to do. Whether you want to book, you know, two or three gigs a year, you want to do a hundred gigs a year. This is a step-by-step process, a step-by-step formula and, and, and playbook and guide that you can refer back to for all things speaking. So speaking fees and figuring out who you speak to and what do you speak about. And again, a lot of stuff that we've covered today, but just going more and more in depth in that. So yeah, the, the book is out everywhere. We've had uh, just great feedback from people. And so uh, we'd love for people to check it out. It's a really well-written, well-put-together book. It's I, what I, One of the things I think I love most about it is it would be a great tool for, like I find it a helpful tool, even though I've done quite a bit of speaking. And and also, I think someone who's just getting started or just dipping their toe in the water with speaking could also benefit from the guidance that you're giving in the book as well. So I think it spans a wide spectrum like that. I really like that. When we've heard from from both people who have said that, like people who are like, I'm trying to book my first gig and the book was enormously helpful. And people who I've been in the speaking industry for a long time and like there's a couple little, you know, tips or tricks or hacks or ideas or just strategies or just things like, I mean, I hadn't thought of that. That's a really good thing. Um, and so there, there's a mix of, of both in there, depending on, on where people are at in their, their journey. I love that. What are some other helpful pieces of or positive pieces of feedback that you've gotten from people who've been reading the book? Well, I would say this, and, and I know we talked a little bit that... Um, that uh, I worked with Jeff Goins on the book. Jeff is a mutual friend of ours. Jeff is a, those, those that know Jeff is a phenomenal, phenomenal writer and has a lot of experience with taking ideas and concepts and, and turning him into making it look look and sound really, really good in the written word. <laughs> uh, so Jeff did a lot of the work in terms of just crafting this. And I think that, and I've told him this, you know, privately and publicly, it's like, I, I really, so many people who've said like, people who've told me, 
wow, the book is really, really good. And not like, you know, it's not like your mom saying that. You're like, well, you're supposed to say that, mom, you yeah. know, but like people who said, you know, yeah. uh, in private conversations, like, man, this is really, really good stuff. Like, this is really, really helpful. And I've told Jeff, I was like, I think it's, I don't know that they'd be saying it if it was 100% written by me, but because of, of you know, the the uh, the effort and work that, that Jeff did just on really uh, wordsmithing and mm. crafting the ideas and the concepts of how it was all put together, I think it's really made a, a big difference for people. You know, a lot of people have said it's a really easy read. It's a very funny read. A lot of like, it's very, very practical, it just falls a, like a linear formula because there's, there, you know, there's certainly books that, that I think we've all read before that just like, it just feels like fluff and it, they just, they filled a, a bunch of pages just to get to a certain page count or word count or whatever. And sure. uh, people that are like, no, this is just like end to end. Like this is just spot on uh, practical uh, ideas and, and support that things that you can implement and apply immediately at any stage. So uh, yeah, really like really, really happy with the, the finished product. One thing I want to add, this is a total side note to our listeners, but I talk about this a lot on the show about how, Writing a book is a, always a collaborative effort, and and we've touched on this on this episode, but what you're mentioning, the helpful techniques, tips, tools, tricks, the program that you bring to the table and the expertise that Jeff brings to the table to put that in a way, just like you said, to put the words on the page that make it compelling and funny and interesting the collaboration between the two of you, this book would never exist if it weren't for both of you. So it's just a reminder to our listeners who are out there who think they might have a book idea kind of lingering in the back of their brain, but they're not sure exactly how to get it down on paper, that it doesn't have to be just you, that you could either bring the idea to the table or you right. can bring the writing skills to the table, or you can bring a little of all of that and collaborate with some other folks to get your book actually written. So that's a really helpful, helpful reminder for all of us. Grant, where can we go purchase a copy of the book? Yeah, the book is on uh, Amazon and Barnes and Noble and wherever you buy your books. Um, we've got a, a couple of bonuses you can check out over at thespeakerlab.com slash book, thespeakerlab.com slash book. So uh, even if you just wanted to check out a, a sample chapter, um, there's some uh, some sample stuff over there you can check out as well. But yeah, The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid and Building Your Platform. Check it out. Perfect. All right, everybody, go head over to thespeakerlab.com. Grab the book, grab the bonuses, and um, I know you'll enjoy the book as much as I did. So thank you so much, Grant. Thanks for today. Thanks for writing this book. Thanks for all of the help and support that you're giving to people out there just like me who are wanting to book more speaking gigs and just like so many of my listeners I know who are just getting started on this path. So we're very grateful. It's an honor to hang out with you. Always enjoy chatting with you, Allison. Thanks for the time. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Find Your Voice podcast. We hope this inspires you to pick up a pen and start finding the words that will change your life, your community, and your world. If you liked what you heard today, share with a friend, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and if you haven't already, check out our website, findyourvoice.com. Subscribe to our Monday Motivation for free and get inspiring writing prompts in your inbox each week. Until next time, happy writing. Happy writing.